from the Summer Skate Studios, Analytics and Eyeballs is brought to you by Top Golf. At every Top Golf, it's about fun, climate-controlled bays, increased safety measures with your choice of games, as well as our sports bar and restaurant. See your local Top Golf location or topgolf.com. Summer skates, shower shoes, and koozies customized for yourself or your entire team. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos. From coast to coast and beyond, wherever you need to be, Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos has a destination that suits your style. Jets Pizza. With six different styles of pizza, eight different types of crust, to go with all of our fresh toppings, you can let your pizza cravings run wild. Peterson Toyota. Earning the trust of our loyal customers at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins every day for over 50 years. Metro by T-Mobile. Go to MetroByTMobile.com to find your perfect plan all of which come with the power of T-Mobile's 5G network. M-Drive, our boost and burn is specifically designed to help get you active, get lean, and burn fat. Get yours at mdriveformen.com. Drury Inn & Suites, find out why we say our home is your home. Visit druryhotels.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, award-winning barbecue for your next catered event, a concert at Allegiant Stadium, or at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. Analytics and eyeballs from the Summer Skate Studios is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Jordan McAlpine. All right. Welcome in, hockey fans. Indeed, it is Monday night, which means it is time for analytics and eyeballs, our closer look at uh, all things NCAA hockey-wise. Scott Strandy with you in a very cool and uh, gloomy and rainy and damp and wet centennial colorado uh no jordan tonight he's uh at the wild and blues game which is going to start here shortly so we called in the uh the reserve we brought in nick maxson with us again and nick it's a pleasure to have you on again thanks for answering my uh bat signal every time i send it out I'm just wondering when you're going to get a spotlight to go into the clouds for me at this point, because I uh, <laughs> love, love to come on. It's been great and uh, uh, good for Jordan. He's going to be at uh, probably one of the best series in the NHL for the playoffs here tonight. It's going to be a rocking Excel Energy Center there in St. Paul. And uh, dare I say, Scott, I'm a little jealous of where Jordan is right now, but uh, plenty of college and NCAA hockey still attend you. So I'm happy to be here for you. Yeah, I hear you. I'm a little jealous as well, but uh, I will get my fill of AHL playoff hockey this week as uh, the two teams that we cover the closest right now, Henderson and Colorado, are going to do battle right here in Loveland, Colorado, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday if necessary. Uh, looking forward to that. And, of course, the Avalanche and the Predators, which is, to me, the scariest uh, of all the matchups Um for the avalanche at least, because I, I just don't think they match up well at all with the Predators. That starts tomorrow night. So, uh, yeah, lots of hockey to talk about. But but first things first, how's the job search going? Job search is going. Uh, it's a game of patience. It's a game of cat and mouse. Uh, some, uh, some big phone calls that are coming up this week. And, uh, you know, again, it's a grind. Uh, we're hoping to – get to some kind of conclusion here the next couple of weeks, but uh, it, it's, it's tough to stay patient, Scott. 
Um, but in this business, I think you have to have a little bit of a little bit of that. You, you don't want to, you know, I guess, force the process. So I, I'm just, you know, kind of going with emotions and uh, knowing full well with confidence, we'll get something here soon. So it's it's still an ongoing process and uh, we're we're still making some progress. Uh, that's good news. Did I see that you were in Las Vegas and now I'm even more jealous if that's true? That is true. Yes. Last weekend uh, was down in the uh, the Valley of the Sun, per se, the sun that was incredibly hot for the Midwest skin guy here up in Minneapolis. Uh, <laughs> yes, it was the uh, NAB show. Uh, for those who don't know, it's the National Association of Broadcasters. They put on um, in, con- uh, in conglomeration with uh, the BEA, which is the Broadcast Educators Association. So it's a big uh, conference for broadcasters, both for in front of the camera and behind the camera. So it's a learning opportunity for us in front of the camera with uh, conventions and conferences and learning opportunities. And for those who um, are pre, you know, in production, whether it's pre-production, post-production, or even in live television, it's a good way to see new gear, uh, different ways to you know just put on what you're trying to put on. And uh, it, it's, a great, it's a great opportunity that, uh, at the big convention center, lots of new gear to check out. Uh, Learned a lot of things down there with some conferences I attended. So it was a lot of fun and uh, good to get away for a little bit. And uh, yeah, enjoy some of the heat because here in Minneapolis, uh, <laughs> we're not even above 50 degrees yet. And it's, it's quite, uh, it's quite uh, depressing. <laughs> oh, I, I feel you, but it, I don't know if it's better or worse here because we go to 80 degrees for three or four days. And then all of a sudden it drops like today it was 37 with rain and snow showers. Whoa. And I'm going like, what the heck? 80 to 37. Uh, I didn't. I didn't bargain for this, but anyway, that that's enough of the weatherman talk. Uh, we've got hockey to talk about, as we always do on Monday night. It's uh, it's about analytics. It's about eyeballs. Um, the analytics tell me, uh, Jordan, that the uh, the polls, <laughs> the portal, I should say, uh, is supposedly closed as of yesterday. Right? Nobody can join it anymore. Is that true? I believe so. Uh, yeah, I think May first was the deadline. I think that was the deadline. And there's still a fair amount of players that are there. Uh, now, Scott, you and I both know who have covered college hockey, you know, for some time now that, you know, I think it's fair to say a lot of the the sought after players have already found new homes. There's still some good talent that's out there. Uh, but you you factor in, you know, the COVID extra year and just there, there's just a lot of extra meat out there to pick from that some of these players are going to have trouble finding spots. So uh, yeah, there's still some movement to be had, but I believe as far as if you're trying to, uh, to change your, your scenery to greener pastures, uh, that door has been closed as of this more uh, as of yesterday, I should say. Yeah. I mean, and it, and it's crazy uh, because Nick, I, I looked at the, uh, the Minnesota Gopher roster just uh, to irritate Paul Hornstein more than anything, but, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I know they're bringing in a lot of freshmen. I know there's a lot of talent coming in, but yes. goodness gracious, have you seen what they've lost and to the places they where they lost them, not only to the pros, but to the portal, um, the latest one that that I saw was Tristan Bros, uh, the mm-hmm. you know the freshman this year coming to Denver. I mean that just about I almost fell off the couch when I saw that. You know it, it's it's goofy, right? Because this is analytics and eyeballs, and the eyeball test for the college hockey fan, especially if you're a Minnesota Gopher fan, you're smelling some trouble right now. Um, you're kind of wondering what in the heck is going on, and not only Tristan Bros, but how about Cruz Lucius decommitting? Also from the <laughs> Gophers just a couple of days ago, um, and 
publicly said through, I believe, a spokesman that he was weighing his options on his hockey future. So uh, there's some concern, I would think, if you're a Gopher fan, because it's easy to make the conclusion, Scott, that, you know, is this is this a Motsko thing? You know, what the heck's going on? And, you know, there may be some truth to that. I don't have any firsthand knowledge or I haven't picked up anything around the wire that says that there is some animosity maybe against either a member of the coaching staff or is it a culture issue? I don't know, but you know, there's still guys out there uh, from the, in the Porter that are from Minnesota waiting new homes. And it's a lot and a lot of good talent they could have had coming in that are now losing as well. So there's some, there's some red flags going up if you're the goal for hockey program right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I don't want to take away from, from anybody or any program, but um, Alaska Fairbanks is now in our coverage area and they just got Johnny Sorensen, who I thought, are you kidding me? You're leaving Minnesota to go to Alaska because, you know, and again, nothing to take anything away from Alaska because we love their program, but let's be honest. uh, If you're trying to get to a national championship, which I think all of these players are, that's going to be a tough road to hoe. So uh, I'm just uh, I'm shocked at, at some of the talent and where they're going. Um, it, it just uh, it kind of blows me away. And, you know, sometimes it's about the fit, too. Right. You know, it's you know, whether it's, you know, as you, you talk about Sorensen, right. You know, he only had four points in 37 games. Uh, I should say. Yeah. So 11, uh, 11 points, I believe, a sophomore is his best. So he's, he's a local kid here in Minnesota. Uh, he's kind of that role player. And. You know, and that's the thing, right, Scott? We, we simply just don't know what's happening. Uh, Johnny is a great player. Uh, you know, you could say the same with the Grant Crookshank, Ben Brinkman, just to name a few. Jack Purvix, uh, a name that Minnesota fans, both at St. Cloud and the Gophers, know well. He's still um, in the portal and still has yet to find a new home. So, you know, what, what's going on, we don't know. But it is kind of surprising that the level of talent and the amount of talent is leaving the Gophers. And granted, you know, is it maybe where – this new income freshman, what you got, Luke and Cooley, you got James uh, Snuggerud, I believe, is the, the how you pronounce the last name. Forgive me if I butchered that. Uh, no, you you're right, really Snuggerud, yep. Yeah. Uh, you, you have some really good young talent coming in, and is it where these players are looking at a wall, you know, per se for themselves and asking, where am I going to play next year? I wanted more minutes. There's no way with this guy coming in. I just don't know. So, I don't know. We'll see. Um, it, it's kind of it's, – it's interesting, but then again, it's a new season next year, and we'll just have to wait and see what the Gophers do. Yeah, and the other thing I think that's interesting is, well, two, it's a two-parter. The first one is when you look at the portal um, and you look at uh, the Big Ten, Minnesota doesn't have anybody coming in off the portal. Uh, a ton no. leaving, but nobody coming in. Um, Michigan has nobody coming in on the portal. And then, and then you look at, um, you know, at, at guys like Grant Crookshank, who uh, leaves to go to St. Cloud State after leaving Colorado College to go to Minnesota, you could kind of, you kind of feel that was happening with the coaching change and all that. But, mm-hmm. uh, but then to, to leave Minnesota after a year, um, I don't know. It's, it's really bizarre to me. Um, coaching changes going on schools without coaches, major schools. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know when Paul comes on here in the last 15 minutes, he's going to want to jump in and talk about that because I don't know how you can be, you know, May 2nd, and still be looking for a coach. And then you have a place like Augustana who's not going to play for a year and they've already got their coach and he's out recruiting. <laughs> it's bizarre. Yeah, It's, it's bizarre. And, you know, we, we can 
go all day about the the pickle that Michigan is in. And when I say pickle, is it the school or is it Mel Pearson? I have no idea. I mean, um, nobody does. That's the problem. Nobody does. <laughs> and I, if I had a guess, Scott, and you know, because we're I came from Vegas, so we're kind of rolling the dice here a little bit, right? <laughs> I love um, it. We're just we're just in that mentality, right? I think there's a lot to be said here because there is there is some investigations that are happening behind the scenes. Uh, with, I believe, the hockey program, the basketball program, the football program. This all has to come back, if I believe correctly, on some possible mishandles of, of COVID-19, um, especially going back a year ago. And I would think that Mel Pearson has to be involved with somehow because if you're happy with your coach, he got you to the national, you know, the national semifinal. Um, if you aren't jumping in the bed and getting them signed, what's there to hold you back? So I, I think there's something there regarding that. Again, I don't have any confirmation on that but there has to be something that's leaving michigan to have cold feet to signing mel because otherwise he's the why wouldn't you sign him yeah exactly and you know that's the thing we we just don't know so it's hard to speculate even on it because uh just like michigan state i mean to my knowledge they still haven't named a coach yet um uh speculation on that on that one is that minnesota state coach mike hastings uh was up for it um, whether he's going to go there or not is, uh, another, uh, another thing, but you know, um, St. Cloud state lost their assistant coach and a good one and Nick Oliver to the Fargo force today. Yeah. Uh, know Oliver really well, actually, uh, sat down with uh, a couple of segments I did with him that we, uh, we called hockey and shill. So I took some film, broke it down, um, and did it uh, live on air for uh, intermission segments. And he's an incredible hockey human being. He's just a great guy off the ice. He's a great leader that he will be at Fargo. Um, I think that uh, for as a Fargo Force alum, and a lot of St. Cloud uh, recruits have, have come from Fargo, uh, just to name a couple, let's see Jack Peart spent a little bit of time with there. Evan Bushy, who's supposed to be coming in this year, has spent time there. Uh, Blake Lazat has come from there now a, a National Hockey League forward as well. So, I mean, it's been a pretty tight relationship with that organization and with St. Cloud. So I'm happy for Nick. Uh, he deserves it. Again, he's a great coach. He's a wonderful human being off the ice. I'm happy for him. It stinks to lose him. Um, obviously, it's St. Cloud State, uh, but he's going to do some great things. And I think he's got a very bright coaching career ahead of him up in Fargo. And I wish him and his family the best of luck because he's going to do fantastic things. Well, let me tell you two things, how old I am and <laughs> and the connection I have with Nick Oliver. Uh, when his dad was coaching um, in, in northern Minnesota, uh, Nick was probably around five years old. And uh, we used to do battle in his dad's office uh, with, with pucks and sticks <laughs> with no skates. But uh, I've known Nick a long time as well. I haven't had a chance to, to uh, visit with him as much lately. I did visit with him when he came to uh, – Colorado College this year, but yeah, just really happy for them. And, um, you know, the thing with Fargo is that they just keep building. It all starts with Kerry Eads at the top, and Kerry and I go way back as well. Um, and uh, and Kerry is the stabilizing force. He was the coach. He stepped uh, up to the general manager's role. But what he does is he provides solid leadership with uh, without getting in the way, if you will. He lets his coaches do their thing. Right. Uh how many, how many different professional organizations out there don't do that well? Can I name the, the New York Mets very well just to, just to throw a wrench into Paul a little bit? Is that okay <laughs> or no? <laughs> I'm totally kidding. 
I'm just kidding. But uh, but no, like you, you have to know your role, right? It's no different than when you're on the ice. If you're the if you're the winger on you know in your third line, you're going to go in there to try to make a body contact. If you start trying to pull off stick handling moves like Pavel Datsuk, Nathan McKinnon, it's just you're not going to find success, right? So uh, a great leaders at tops of organizations know their role. Uh, they don't try to do too much. So, you know, you're, you you hire your guys to do that work for you. You have to put trust in them. Uh, you know, if, if there's one thing that I've actually liked about the wild organization for a while is Craig Leopold for the most parts done that he, he made one bad apple choice with, with Paul Fenton. Uh, he did correct that, but I mean, you have to have that top leadership and that trust to, to run the organization. And as you mentioned there in Fargo, they do a great job. And, uh, this is a great uh, transition from one head coach to another. And, uh, again, you know, good, uh, good leadership also finds good leadership as well on the outside. And Nick Oliver will fit right into that organization for sure. Okay. So let's jump back into this portal thing because last count, there was like 200 plus still out there. Uh, some, um, you know, ha- have spots. Some just aren't going to get spots. And I think, uh, Nick, this is something that Paul and I talked about a year and a half ago, right after COVID hit and uh, the decisions were made to, uh, to grant extra years and um, you know, all of these different things. We said, there's going to be a log jam at some point because you got guys aging out of juniors that are looking to play uh, college hockey. You got guys that are getting extra time you got guys that feel like they missed out on something. I mean, right here in Denver, uh, the announcement was made not long ago that Kyle Mayhew, one of their uh, best defensemen, has decided to return for that fifth year. So um, this trickle-down effect, uh, how is that going to affect college hockey long-term in your estimation? I don't know. I mean, if anything, you know, if anything, what it might do, and there was some unfortunate news that came about today that may discredit what I'm about to say, and that comes with Illinois. I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. Uh, but for the most part, you know, it shows there's a growing interest in hockey and a growing interest in, in the college hockey scene, right? I, I think um, you know, we would be blind to say that you know, NCAA hockey is you know, the, the top-tier prospect you know league in, in the north america it isn't you know the uh, the chl north of the border a lot of kids you know especially the top tier kids that's where they want to go the ohl uh the q the whl let's name a few right um but over the last 10 years or so the the ncaa scene has really started to pick up a lot of steam they're picking up uh you know a lot of interest from even some players in alberta and, and you know so it's it's getting a better spotlight so what you hope happens, right, is when you have this logjam, you know, does that say, okay, to the folks that are maybe wanting programs, does that mean, hey, we have enough interest here? You know, we can maybe take the financial risk to get a club going D1? Um, or does this discourage players to say, you know what, if if I go to a program and I don't like it, am I going to be stuck there? Because if I enter the portal, no one picks me up. Am I kind of, you know, that's out of luck? I don't know. It's going to be so tough to tell. There's still – what, two more years, I believe, Scott, for the extra years for those who, uh, yeah, because it was 2020. So we got two more years of, of what we probably will see as a logjam from all of these players. Um, we probably won't know for another, what, five to ten years what real true effect this has had on the game. Uh, short term, again, that's what you have. Is you have these you know, sort of high-risk moves by some players and for teams. Uh, but beyond that, maybe, you know, does it involve, again, more organizations trying to make a jump to DM1 or whatnot. We don't know. It's, it's going to be a while, but for players right now, uh, 
make sure you do your homework for your recruiting and, you know, you like what you see and, uh, you know, cause it's going to be uh, a pretty tough to find one, uh, a new home if you go into it with a very uh, jammed log, uh, uh, lake out there. So. Yeah, totally agree. Okay. Uh, just a quick look at, uh, at what's happening in our neck of the woods. Uh, the NCHC, um, Denver, I didn't think was going to go into the portal. Uh, and I'm still wondering about, uh, the captain, um, uh, Cole Gutman to see what he's going to do. I'm not sure if he's mm-hmm. coming back or not. I mean, uh, all indications, the longer this goes, the more I feel like he is. I mean, <laughs> the, that team has been saluted around Colorado for three weeks. Um, and, and it's just been crazy and, and kudos to them for, for taking it all in and enjoying it. Cause you'd only get to do that. Uh, not very often. Um, but anyway, Correct. Casey Dornbach, a senior from Harvard, uh, making his way to Denver now. And, of course, Tristan Bros, as we just mentioned, just a freshman uh, last year at Minnesota. Uh, he's got three years to go. He's going to be a big help offensively for uh, for Denver. Um, you look at St. Cloud State, we mentioned Grant Crookshank, uh, Dylan Anhorn uh, coming from Union, uh, and Dominic Bassey, the, uh, the sophomore goaltender from Colorado College, making his way to St. Cloud State. So, you being as close as you are and were to St. Cloud State, your thoughts on just those three? I, I well, we need center depth, that's for sure. So uh, Crookshake coming in, um, you know, there's there's a very big freshman class that should be making its way to St. Cloud this year. You need somebody that has the experience. It's got um, a leadership qualities. Again, Crookshake was a two-year captain at Colorado College, if it serves me right. But you need someone that can go win, understand the game, but teach it to young players, especially in the center position where you got more responsibilities, especially in your back end. Um, you need experience in that role. And St. Cloud is very thin at that, so that's a great pickup. Um, question has always been whether it was last year or especially this year when you knew the train tracks were going to run out, what was the future going to be in net for St. Cloud after the departure of David Rennick? And, um, you know, I think – not to and not to take anything away from Jackson Caster because he was put in a pretty terrible position again at the end of the NCHC playoffs, but also then again in the NCAA uh, first round there. Um, I think St. Cloud recognized that he probably wasn't the horse you wanted to ride as your starting goaltender. So getting one that's got some upside, uh, he's your goaltender again, six foot six. Um, so you, you try to get some size. And again, the guy has played some, college hockey before maybe you put him in front of a better organized system he'll perform better i think he will uh so i like that pickup as well than anhorn i mean again you can't have too much depth in your in your system so i i i like the pickups from saint cloud um you know he's not the biggest guy um he can produce some points seven goals that was the one thing that saint cloud maybe lacked a little bit was offensive production in terms of goal scoring from the blue line say what you want about uh, Nick Perbix, he's a great defenseman, good two-way, but he was more of a playmaker, not a, not a shooter, and they need more of a shooting threat from the blue line. If you're hoping that Dylan Anhorn can provide that, again, the transfer from Union and St. Cloud. So I like all the like all the moves on paper, but do they translate to actual performance on ice? Uh, we got a few more months before we know the answer to that. So, But so far, if I'm a Husky fan, I'm happy with what I see so far. Okay, so I don't know how deep you go into Alaska Anchorage, but their uh, resurgence of their program – uh, the reemergence of their program. Um, they've got 10 players, if, I, if I'm looking right, uh, from the portal, which you'd think they would have to do to, to be competitive. 
And I, I, I've seen bits and pieces of their schedule. I've talked to other coaches. We just talked to uh, Frank Serratore at Air Force last night, and, and he acknowledged that Anchorage was coming to play them. Um, and I know that they're going to come and play uh, at Arizona State, and they're going to go play um, two games um, uh, against uh, ACHA D1 teams in uh, UNLV and Liberty in Las Vegas. But, um, man, they've done a bang-up job of getting players to come to Alaska, which is kind of what you have to do when you're restarting, right? You kind of do. Um, and one of them, St. Cloud State's own Joey Lamaru, uh, was the third-string goaltender. Um, he's only had, to his credit, five collegiate games going in um, as a goaltender. Now uh, will be his senior season. Uh, you know, and that's, a, and that's a tough place to recruit to, Scott. I mean, that's – when you talk about playing the Alaska schools, again, we've talked about this in previous shows, but to even travel out to Alaska Anchorage, if you're Minnesota, you're North Dakota, um, part of the old WCHA, that was a whole different animal in terms of traveling out there. And then also got to think about these Alaska schools, if they go anywhere in the road, you know, previous to Arizona state, you I mean their closest opponent was what North Dakota or air force. That's a three to four hour flight. If, if, if I'm being maybe, uh, conservative about that um so it's a it's a tough place to play um you know and try to try to attract some some young talent now again this is where maybe alaska anchorage is benefiting from a log jam in the portal uh per se and for players who are itching to play another year of college hockey this is dare i say it like just you know good timing for them um but again you still got to convince the player that you know they can come in and play some hockey and you know they're going to have a good chance of success so you got to hand it to the coaching staff and the recruitment job that they've done uh to get like you said the 10 or so players to go up there so it's a good start for them but uh you know they haven't had too much success even before they uh took a pause you kind of hope that maybe this resurgence they'll give them a little bit better results going forward but good to see they're able to land some guys. And I think that they will find some success. Uh, question is how far will it take them? Can they be a top 16 contender or will that be kind of a middle of a pack? Uh, I think there's some room uh, to grow for that squad, but uh, again, you got to start with the base somewhere. They've done a fantastic job using the portal uh, this time around. If they're going to benefit from it for sure. You know, and the interesting part of it is they didn't just go pull a bunch of uh, grad transfers. They, uh, they picked up uh, two freshmen, three sophomores last year. Uh, and these are their their school grades last year. Uh, they got a couple of juniors. They got some seniors. So that it, it it's like they're building something, which is I'm really excited about because uh, Paul and I have talked with the uh, the independents and that growing list of independents now with uh, other uh, schools talking and making the move uh, to to play NCAA hockey. Um, yeah, the excitement's there for the first couple of years, but if these guys don't find a conference, man, oh man, it could be really rough uh, survival-wise over the next uh, five to eight years, maybe. And, and that might be a, a liberal estimate too, Scott, right? And I think, you know, we, we've always said, uh, you know, to, to the two Alaska schools, and, and we can even throw um, Alabama Huntsville in this too, because they're kind of on an island, even though they're in the opposite direction on, on the map. You know, they're not of a different situation too. You know, the, the, it, it's not an easy sustainable, it's not a sustainable model that they have right now being an independent with all the traveling and trying to attract teams to come up there. Um, and again, you can't, as, a, as an organization, burden all the cost of travel everywhere you go as well, right? Arizona State's been able to, but they're in a very unique situation. Um, Alaska just doesn't have that. And so you, you do wonder, 
you know, and I think it's fair to say this, and I think you would agree that if there isn't some type of a offering for them, whether it's a current conference or even a new one um, that makes sense from the next five to eight years, I mean, we could be talking, you know, going back to where we're just a couple of years ago and, you know, a permanent shutting down of a program that has a lot of history, it's had some success and has, you know, it would be detrimental, I think, to the game of college hockey. So it is a very important window here for this, for, for this squad in the next five to eight years, trying to figure out a permanent solution because again, you can only kick the can on the road down so many times before you just can't do it anymore. So this is a very important time for this program. And I really hope there is a solution in the near ground soon, because if it doesn't happen, uh, my heart just doesn't see the future being very bright for the program in terms of how can they can sustain themselves after that. Yeah. Well, you led me right into the, uh, the next point in the show. So let's take a quick break. Let's come back and let's talk about the possibilities of what could happen um, and then when we're done with that, we'll have the final thoughts from uh, Paul Hornstein. He'll join us for the final 15 minutes. So Nick and I will be back in about uh, four minutes. More than 140 live games from the nation's best college hockey conference. Ready for you wherever you are, however you want to watch. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. On your phone, tablet, or stream to your TV. Subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv. If it's nchc hockey, it's on nchc.tv. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said It's been running through my head Locked and loaded Alright, still got it Still got it any hockey player in the desert southwest and they'll all tell you the same thing we love going to the rink and sandals now you can show off your game in style with summer skates officially licensed summer skates are comfortable washable and can be designed to show off your fandom bill kessel your guy big william carlson fan or is austin matthews the man have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite nhl player or shout out your own game with your own number Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. At Behind the Mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or behindthemask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. 
go to any of our three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com. Hi, this is Derek Stevens. Download your new sports betting app with Circus Sports. Get 24-7 access to a dynamic sports betting menu, including props, futures, cross-sport parlays, in-game wagering, and more. Sign up for the mobile wagering app at CircusSports.com. Then visit one of our downtown Las Vegas sportsbooks at the D or the Golden Gate to activate and fund your mobile wagering account. Learn more at CircusSports.com. From the Summer Skate Studios, this is Analytics and Eyeballs. Indeed it is Analytics and Eyeballs. It's Monday night. It is our NCAA Closer look at the numbers and what our eyes tell us. Scott Strandy with you in a very cold, damp, rainy, uh, gloomy Centennial, Colorado tonight. My special guest host is back with me. Nick Maxson is uh, joining me. And, Nick, great to have you back with. Uh, you're in, you're in uh, Minnesota again right now, right? So you're nice and warm. Well, by our standards, warm would be like 45 <laughs> degrees. So, yeah, we're doing okay. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so the first half of the show, we jumped in. We talked about the portal, which is just crazy. Um, you know, when you talk NCAA stuff, it's not just hockey. It's basketball. It's football. It's all the portals that are uh, loaded up, and you see all kinds of stuff. And then the NIL stuff going on. We could do six shows on just that. Um, but I want to dig in a little bit closer now about – um, again, during the pandemic, uh, people told Paul and I, when we were doing our shows, like, man, this could be the death nail for college hockey. It's just not a big enough revenue sport. It doesn't quite have the following that the other sports have. And this might be a good way for programs to, to go away, so to speak. Absolutely just the opposite. Um, so let's start right there. Let's start with the team that announced they were coming in this, uh, in, in a year build a new arena not far from you in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And uh, they go out and they get Garrett Rayboin and they hire him as a coach a, a year plus early to, to start solidifying a program that doesn't even have a rink yet. Yeah, what a what a great guy Rayboin is. Again, was an assistant with Bob Motzko even at St. Cloud. Uh, just almost respect for him and what he's done um, as an assistant. Uh Again, you know, Rico Blasi, I believe, too, also with St. Thomas, was hired around the same time a year before they took the ice as well. And just so you know, they don't have an ice arena either, so they're still a little behind the schedule with theirs. Um, although they have a Paul, little bit Paul more. Paul likes pick. to say they have a community rink. They do. <laughs> uh, when they do build their own, it'll be anything but a community rink. Uh, we'll say that way. St. Thomas is going to have one heck of a barn when they finally decide where uh, there's going to be put. That's the biggest, you know, hurdle they have to uh, they're trying to figure out is where to where to build it but uh, they have plenty of money to build where the heck they want no matter whatever they find out where so uh but yeah uh august data again that would be what 62 or 63 scott if i if i recall correctly all right my numbers could be way off for well as far as no, college no, hockey it could programs. be it could be 65 by now because uh we you 60. know you, you look at uh huntsville uh Yep. They raise money, and now they're like, yeah, we're not going to play until we have a conference. Like, oh, you can't do that. I mean, nope. that's going to set you back. So either you better get in a conference or you better start playing independent to build up because you can't just uh, go idle again for a couple of years. No, you can't. Um, and, you know, you talk about 
their, you know, comparisons to the Alaska schools and just how tough it is, you know, again, what's the closest college hockey barn that's to them? It's, it's not a driving distance. It isn't. They're flying everywhere that they have to go and teams have to play them have to fly in. So it's, it's, it's tough. It's a tough sell. Um, I, I don't think that, I think it's fair to say that college hockey in the Southeast is still maybe two decades away from getting the interest that you may need to find some, some interest there to, to, to warrant some more programs. But I, I think it's going to be West of the Mississippi, if I'm not teasing the next point at all here, Scott. So, um, but you know, it, it's, it's a tough gig, but uh, to your original point, the pandemic didn't shut anything down. Did it put a strain on it? Yeah. Uh, I talked to Josh Fenton about this very, candidly um over the summer around this time last year and how you know they they had a slush fund now it wasn't specifically for covid uh but they did were essentially like we need to put money aside in case of you know who knows what happens and certainly i don't think a pandemic was a reason they had it so they were they finished in the red for the first time ever in their conference history but they were able to weather the storm uh for it and again we didn't see any programs that i believe shut down specifically for covid um, and again, if anything, because a lot of people weren't working, um, a lot of, you know, people were able to find more entertainment to watch and more options. I think college hockey actually grew from it and it's actually been a really good thing. And I think you're going to see a springboard effect from this uh, as you move forward here. Okay. So before we move West, um, tell everybody what you know about this Illinois situation, because Illinois has yes. been uh, on and off again, rumored for years to, uh, to be that next team in the uh, the Big Ten. Um, and I always, Nick, go back to the to, to what I know, and that's the roadmap that, that Coach Greg Powers has put out there for a lot of ACHA programs that want to move up. He said it's really three steps. you got to get your university on board with you. You have mm-hmm. to get some money, and with the money is also the building. And then the third thing is, you, you got to find success at the ACHA level. You got to start experiencing um, growing at that D1 level in, in terms of, you know, you look at what Lindenwood did. They, uh, they went up to the, to the uh, NCAA level this year, or they are coming up, but they won the ACHA national championship first. And uh, that's what Greg Powers did. Um, so, I mean, it, th- this is not an unusual thing, but um uh, Tell us about Illinois and what the heck is happening now. So effectively from what the university has stated, right? So this is coming directly from them uh, and uh, director of athletics, Josh Whitman is, first of all, this has been a five year ordeal for those who think that this is something new, um, who those maybe have heard about. This has been something they've been exploring for a while. So this is not, you know, we just started talking about this six months ago. Now we're canning this. This is actually quite disappointing news, Scott. Um, they blame a couple of things. Uh, they blame uh, effectively that they didn't generate the financial interest uh, in order to a, a build a Division One coded facility um, to have a sound financial plan moving forward. So I would assume conferences as part of that, um, whether that's the Big Ten or whatever the case may be, they couldn't secure anything that they liked. And then they also cited that if they were to build a new facility now, as opposed to where they were trying to do it three years ago, that cost has now been uh, up by 30%, which let's be honest, that's not a small feat uh, when you're talking about probably over a couple million dollar building. Um, And then they cite some interesting ones. And this is the one that kind of intrigues me because it's not just new sports that deal with this. Every current sport, it's the NILs, 
um, is the student athlete employment rights that they're citing, which I think this is kind of blase at this point. Um, so in other words, they don't see how they can properly financially plan and get them the money to support this program is essentially what they're doing. Um, and so at the end of it, they're just dropping it. And they actually say that they've halted improvements to gymnastics, to other sports as they were doing this. And they just said, you know what, we just can't, we can't hold off anymore. So we're at a point where they couldn't get uh, to a goal that they, they, they really needed to get. And so now they're dropping it. Um, they left the door open at the end to say, Oh, it's just not the right time now, but it's going to be tough after putting five years of, of work and passion into a project that this comes about anytime soon. So I think it'll be at least a decade if, if I'm kind of, you know, calling my shots right before this is even entertained again, it's just too bad. I think it would have added um, a good, especially in, a, in Illinois. I mean, I'm surprised that there isn't more, um, especially with the Chicago Blackhawks effect and how successful they've been. Uh, but that's that's where they stand. Um, so it, it's unfortunate, but uh, they just couldn't quite get uh, what they wanted together, and uh, they just didn't have the, the financing to do it. You know, and and there's so many holes in there, and we could go on for this for for hours as well. Hours. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you you look at the Nashville Predators stepping up to try to help uh, Tennessee State uh, become mm-hmm. an NCAA program. You look what the Kraken has done uh, to to help out the Alaskas and potentially could be helping out Oregon. Uh, you look mm-hmm. at uh, what the potential is in Vegas for uh, for maybe the Golden Knights to step up and help out uh, UNLV make the next step. I mean, you hear about all these things and in, in positives, and you hear about the, the places like Robert Morris that went out and got their program back with fundraising. And, and then you look at Illinois, and they're like in a hotbed. The Blackhawks have a, a great organization. They've got great junior programs in the Chicago area, uh, and uh, and you just can't you just can't make it go. Uh, I think there's more to it, like you said, and uh, it's frustrating because the Big Ten could use one more team. They could <laughs> just to make it an even number. And, and Paul's already shaking his head at me uh, because he's going like, "Shut up with that stuff. You don't need to have even numbers." But um, you know what? Uh, it, it's crazy. And, um, it, you know, I, I don't think there's anybody better to bring into this discussion. So for final thoughts, let's bring in Paul Hornstein. And, uh, and Paul, uh, you've heard us. What do you think? Which load of crap do you want me to start with first? The even number stuff. The even number stuff. This, oh, Illinois, we were – stop it. You were you – were, the whole – well – before the pandemic, we were getting ready to win. You guys are full of it. We've been hearing about Illinois, and I, I'm not going to talk about another school because I respect the kids that are going to school there. Hey, um, But I'm tired of hearing the, the shut up already and either do it or don't. Yeah, I thought you were going to bring out the the slam of the Mets that uh, Nick got in on. Oh, well, yeah, well, (laughs) that's fine. You know, you want to slam a first-place team? Go ahead. I don't care. Um, they're only they're only first place for the first 20 games. They'll go 11 and 59 the next uh, 70. I'm not that word. They might. Who knows? They might. um, uh, (laughs) We worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. They might not win tonight, but – you know, you're going to lose a series eventually. So, you know, you won okay. seven series in a row to start the season. Um, I'll take that. 
you know, you're gonna you're gonna tell me we're gonna the Mets are gonna win seven out of every eight series. I can live with that. Um, <laughs> okay, keep living in your dream world, Nick. Let me let saying, me tell you um, something here. Wait. Hold on a minute, Paul. Hold okay. on a minute. Can I lead you into it, um, <laughs> Nick? So so Paul and I have been talking, uh, you know, to everybody that'll listen to us about realignment, about adding team, adding conferences. Paul's got some great ideas. Um, we don't need to go into the details of them because he's already done that. And uh, we can get into that at another time, another show. But um, the, the one thing that we're talking about is that everybody talks about it. Okay. We need to do this. We need to do this. But in my estimation, what we need is a leader. We need somebody that's going to do something, not just talk about it. And I want to get your thoughts before Paul jumps in. Yeah, no, that that's just it. I mean, Talk is cheap, right? It, it's completely cheap. And you can talk out of both sides of your mouth with gum in it. You can do whatever the heck you want, right? No one – at this point, you need to, sh you know, show – you know, walk the walk too, right? So, um, you know, and it, it, there there seems to be some some movement to some of these, uh, Scott, but I think there's still some cold feet to shaking things up because I do think for some of the conference realignments that we've been hearing about rumored – um, I think it's almost going to be a domino effect. I, I think you're going to see uh, a couple different conferences uh, maybe make a deal to do some swaps. Um, I, I think that you'll see some other, you know, independents finally find a, a permanent home that are out there um, to kind of maybe fill in some of the holes that were left behind. But um, the college hockey scene now that we're getting up to now 65 teams, um, just some of the geography just isn't making sense. And some of the, some of the, uh, independents are, are chomping for a permanent home. So it's, it's, it's coming due. And I do think it's going to start with, dare I say the NCHC, maybe the CCHA, maybe the big 10. I think it does start out West first and then maybe some realignment out East. But I think if one does it, I think you're going to see a, a domino effect. You don't think you'll see a, a bit a more restructuring run trying their college hockey scene, but that's how I see it. But I don't think it's going to be another couple of years before we see that just yet. Well, okay, I need, Paul. Some, I need somebody to tell me why having more teams is good, but oh no, we can't work it out so that everybody gets taken care of. Okay, if everybody plays, if if everybody has a conference and everybody gets to 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 a, a rising tide carries all boats. It's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. Go ahead, Nick. You were going to say something. Let's see. Survey says uh, you had the rising tide part. Uh, that you just missed one word, money. Um, uh, you don't have to even look far at the NCHC. You don't. Um, for those who don't know, uh, Mankato and I believe Bemidji applied to be the NCHC about two or three years ago were denied, largely because of the lack of money that was going to be on the table and if my if my ears are turned correctly a part of the discussion with the nchc includes miami right now possibly getting bought out of the nchc because of their current financial situation so um it's it's not that it's more teams paul it's you know a lot of these top you know top revenue generating teams especially the nchc such as north dakota that's uh, that's a big one. Say you know just to name one out there, they don't want to be supporting these bottom teams that are barely 
putting money in the same pile, right? So if you follow the money, there's your answer. And that's a big reason why a lot of these movements haven't happened um, is, you know, if you buy out Miami, that's a giant chunk of change out of each school's pocket. A lot of them don't have that again, post pandemic, uh, at least right now. So I, I think that's why we haven't seen much yet, but follow the money. That's well, where it stems from. Well, see now, and, and, and I have read a few different things about and, and, and once again that's I don't have inside information. I'm only going by what's available to me uh on the vast resources of the internet. Okay. Um but I'll sit here and, and and you know the people in Atlantic hockey and we love them get a little bit defensive of why do we have to carry the burden of adding all these teams? Well okay the the odds are at some point Something's going to happen, and you guys are going to have to split into two conferences, which is fine to me, because then those teams have a chance at an extra auto bid. But at the same time, if you're saying follow the money, and I and I read in places that um, there are certain certain factions that don't want to take uh, in a couple of years Utica for whatever reason, when they move up to Division One, and we're assuming that the NCAA will approve that, if you're talking about following the money, and maybe the ADs and the university presidents think differently, but that's a school that's been averaging 3,000-plus a game for Division Three. Now, are they winning all the time? In Div- Do they win a lot in Division Three? Sure. Uh, will they win as much in Division One? Well, certainly not initially. But say that that cuts down on the crowds to make it two thousand a game, or fi- even fifteen hundred. How many teams in the NCAA would love to sell fifteen hundred tickets a game? So if it comes down to money, okay, I I I don't know what you people are thinking. Um, should. Should the ECAC be in on some of these conversations? Yeah, they probably should. Um, I, re- I even read somewhere that that Sacred Heart is poking around to go into Hockey East, along with UConn, who's also obviously there in Connecticut. So, I mean, uh, and they just had the coaches' convention in Florida. You're going to tell me this stuff wasn't talked about? We know Scott Sandlin talked about it. I mean, come on. You're, you're sitting there and screaming that we don't have enough stalls for players to play in. And then you're going to be like, well, yeah, we think it's a good idea, but not us. Well, you know, that's like that's like having uh, that's like having a girl you want to date. Tell me or tell you uh, I want to be with a guy just like you, but not you. Are you serious? <laughs> okay. uh, so here it is. It comes right back in the in in the nutshell that I brought up. Uh, you gotta have somebody that wants to come up that's got the ear of as many or at least the majority of the coaches as possible, and and you gotta get somebody to take the action and start moving forward because you, everybody's gonna be the same way. This is gonna go on forever. Because no, if unless somebody steps up and takes control, um, it, it's never going to change. 
everybody's going to continue to do their own thing. So I don't know how you do that. I really don't. But you're going to have to find a way or you're going to have a problem really soon. Nick and I talked about it. Paul, you and I have talked about it. If you don't, uh, if you don't get these teams uh, that are resurging uh, into a conference and giving them the opportunity to play for a national championship, it's just a matter of time before they start fledgling again. Well, and we didn't even talk about, uh, you know, you, I mean, you guys, you mentioned it a little bit with Lindenwood. Um, you have a new program, which is this year's mystery program in Stonehill. Uh, but people will be like, they're okay because they're in quote-unquote hockey country over there in Massachusetts. Okay. Um, I totally understand Atlantic Hockey taking Robert Morris back because, you know, that was a completely different situation compared to everything else. Okay. But I don't want to hear about even numbers again because you went back from, to 11 from 10. And uh, does LIU have the media coverage that St. John's does or even Stony Brook? No, but you got to start somewhere. I mean, let's go, people. I'll do it if you – you don't even have to pay me that much. I'll do it. <laughs> Nick, you're looking for a job. Don't you want to do that? I'm, I'm looking for one. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. Let's get to eight conferences. And I know that uh, we had uh, Frank Saratori on last night. And he kind of was with me on the whole eight automatic bids and those teams getting the first round at their own rink. Uh, he had some reservations about it, but I still say that's the way to go. Uh, this way, you know, the, the, the quote-unquote not power conferences, they're worried about ticket sales. Uh, you think if Bentley gets to host, I don't know, pick a school, but pick a, you know, North Dakota. Dakota. Well, yeah, but no, I'm not. That, they don't count because North Minnesota. Dakota. Yeah, we could talk about that other maroon and gold team. You think that if they're playing at Bentley or Mercyhurst, they're not going to fill that building for a playoff game? Of course they are. You know, if you want to expand the tournament after that, you can think about it. But you get a 16-team tournament in the first round at home sites because everybody's crying about tickets. I mean, I'm fine with it the way it is. But if you're going to do it, you got to give those teams that are in the smaller conferences a legitimate chance to win. You can't have you you can't go by seeding at that point. You can go by seeding for the second eight. But if you can get to eight conferences and eight auto bids, those teams automatically host the first round. You want to make it one game? Fine. You want to make it – I think it should be – you know, you want to play – I don't know how they used to play two games and like – It has to be a best – it has to be best two out of three or a single game. Right. That's uh, fine. I'm just – my point is, you know, you, you want to – you know, and, and you could figure out and you can make it almost like the super regionals for baseball. Um the winner of that series plays the winner of this series. The winner of that series plays, regardless of who it is, you know. And if there's a, a series where a auto bid team plays a at large team, then it automatically goes to the auto bid team's rank to get to the Frozen Four. Then so be it. But 
you know, at least it's a start. So I'm ready. You know. Nick, your thoughts? I think you're you're almost at the point too, Scott. That and I've floated this idea in a couple of other podcasts. I do is do you, I think do you you know with 65 teams, are we at the point we expanded 20 or 24? You know, are are we at that point yet uh, to try to add a little bit, you know, more of the feelings? If, if there's one thing in my college hockey playoffs that I think is a little disappointing, Scott and Paul, is that before a lot of the national tension gets placed on it, you're in the national semifinal. You've got three games of that, and that's it. I would like to see more. I, 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 I would like to see a field of either 20 or 24, whether it's a, a playing game or something else to get to the field of 16. You know, I, I think if you get more teams involved, I think we're almost at that point where I think you do have to expand the playoffs um, to try to, you know, get teams a little bit more jazzed up to try, try to even have a chance at it. I would like that. Um, and, you know, to, to hosting, the, the problem with, with that, Paul, is, you know, it, it, it comes down to half ticket sales, but your revenues for the NCAA comes from the television rights. I know and, that, too. You know, and, and does Bentley, does that building have the capabilities to allow ESPN and their crew or whoever would be in charge of, you know, filming the game to be able to go in there and set up to the quality of a broadcast that they do? Um so that's the other question, you know, is, you know, d- d- does it have the infrastructure there? Um, so there, that's the biggest knock on, on that plan. And, and I don't mind the hosting, especially for a first round series by a top eight team. I actually, kinda, I actually like that myself. Um, Cause we do have to figure out something, right. We have to figure out a way to get right. the, the fans more involved with it to, to fill the buildings. I mean, again, we, I saw it over in Allentown, you know, you're even with, uh, the Michigan um, AIC game, which, you know, was a pretty well-attended one. They were still half a seat empty. That just can't happen in a, what's supposed to be a national quarterfinal type tournament or whatever the heck you want to call it. It's just there's got to be more of a balance between a neutral site, earning a spot and earning a chance to play your home crowd. Because, yeah, you'll sell the tickets. But more importantly, you know, on the broadcast side, you, you are selling a, a full building and the atmosphere of that. I mean, the Stanley Cup playoffs are happening. What sells is the intensity, and a lot of that comes from the fans that are in attendance. So sure. uh, if, if you can marry that somehow, that's, that is the ultimate plan moving forward. All right, like I said, it's, it, it, until you get the ideas out there, nothing's going to change. Correct. So, no. and, and there has to be meaning discussion about that for sure. No, here's the thing. It, you, you can get the idea out there, and the ideas are out there, but until somebody grabs a bull by the horns and says – okay, let's form a 10-person, uh, eight-person, whatever-person um, committee and and let this committee go to work and put the proposals out there until that happens. And and it can't be uh, coaches. It can't be – it's got to be an independent group that, that's looking to improve college hockey because the coaches don't have time, plus they all have bias. So uh, you can't bring coaches into this at this point. You got to find a group of people, whether it's retired uh, coaches or administrators or media people or whatever it is, you got to get that group started and uh, give them some credibility to, to um, make this all happen. Because if you're going to leave it up to these people, nothing's ever going to get done. And unfortunately, we don't have 10 years to wait for it to get started. 
it's got to happen sooner than that, and everybody knows it. By the way, you, you, there are some schools that don't even have coaches. Yeah, we talked about that. Well, we actually, I, about that, that. Is, that is unbelievable. We Here we are, um, BU, BC, Michigan State. There have been plenty of rumors about Michigan State, but nothing's happened. And Michigan has a coach but doesn't have a coach? <laughs> Nick, what do you think about that one? I mean, (laughs) either let him go or or extend him. But you just, I mean, um, I I think they want to extend him, Paul. I think they do, but there's there's uh, some there's some there's some stuff going on behind the scenes. Yeah, you know, because again, I I, we talked about this earlier with Scott. If they had, if they wanted to resign, if there was nothing else holding you back, they would have already done it by now. I just it it's bizarre and they're lucky they're Michigan. Or... If they just would have played Western Michigan, we wouldn't be having this discussion, right? <laughs> well, we might not have been. We You're absolutely been. right. You're um, absolutely right. Yeah, I mean uh, I mean and and oh god and, and and you were right. We know there are teams that want to switch leagues. But nobody everybody's trying to save face. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants to be looked at as the bad guy. Well, if it makes everybody more secure, how is that the bad guy? Yeah, wait a minute. Are, the are you people, talking about? Are, the, are you talking about that the or the uh, Arizona Coyotes? <laughs> Who? The the Houston Coyotes. Oh, sorry. No, the, arrows, the Houston Arrows. Houston Arrows. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's must. It's the same people running. College hockey is running the NHL. Just pass the buck, so that way we can't say we were the ones that you know killed an idea. And then when somebody else says we killed, then we'll say, yeah, no, we did everything we could. And then then that's we're only being forced to do it this way. Yes, that's I just mean, it, Paul. I mean, seriously, uh, no, no one wants to make that days in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. And, and by the way, we know Miami is not the only ones that want out. Correct. I mean, oh, it's crazy. A, it's and, crazy. And you, but you got to find have, the leadership group. You have to find well, a leadership group for 65 teams. And, and, and it's got to be something that gets started soon. It can't, it can't be five years and, and this and that. I mean, uh, Huntsville is not going to hang around if they don't play in a, no. if they're not going to play games pretty soon, they're done. They need to play it's games. Ridiculous. And, uh, you know, I mean, so something's got to happen and it's got to start at the top. And it's got to be new, and they got to grab. They got to grab some top people, like maybe a Brad Berry, a Scott Sandlin, um, you know, guys like that that are uh, that'll give you some support, because uh, this group has got to be an independent group that doesn't have any biases and just wants to improve the game. You know, it'd be really good. You you could have those two, but then get like Jerry Orkin, you know, get some get some retired yeah. coaches. Get, yes. get a couple of current players. And also, how about some past NCAA players? Get their thoughts on, you know, what their experience was. And maybe just some of their thoughts when they've been removed now from the college hockey scene and how they see it from, you know, the, the 100 million mile mark from way outside, right? So if, if you can get that, those kind of different viewpoints in the same room with the sole goal, that is, you know, almost like a competition committee, you know, almost like the NHLPA, exactly. someone right. supposedly to come around and say, hey, this is what we're sowing. Yeah, 
you know, maybe this group actually does something. Who knows, right? But they, like you said, Scott, they need to. They're they're running out of time for it. And unless some positive changes made, it, are we saying that it's detrimental to college hockey right now? No, but you don't want to have the wheel stop momentum going up the hill because if it if only thing it's holding up is gravity, uh, it's a long way down. It's a quick way down as well. Yep, there's no doubt. Yep, very well said. Okay, Paul, do you want to do the read for me? Uh, Since you have skates, do I have? What am I? You? <laughs> I said since you have them. Things. I said since you have them, not do you have them? I know you have them. <laughs> From the Summer Skate Studios, Analytics and Eyeballs has been brought to you by Drurians and Suites. Drury Plaza Lake Buena Vista, the newest official Disney World hotel, is booking now for stays starting this October at DruryHotels.com. Metro by T-Mobile. Switch to our $60 a month plan, which includes an Amazon Prime membership. To do that, see one of our stores for details. Buy Summer Skates, whether you use your own name and number or that of your favorite player. Show off your game and style with personalized shower shoes and koozies. See SummerSkates.com for more information. Buy Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com. No one knows goalies' needs better than we do. See the website for our Three Valley locations and more. Liberty University, strengthen your faith and your game at the premier ACHA M1 program on the East Coast. Check it out now at liberty.edu. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas, where our food can be summed up in one word, perfection. By M-Drive, supplements to fuel and refine your drive at mdriveformen.com. Peterson Toyota. Our staff at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins works hard to make sure that you get the right car to fit your needs, new or pre-owned. Jets Pizza, more than just great pizza. You'll love our wings, sidekicks, and more. Find the location near you at jetspizza.com. And by Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, where the action is from the Atlantic and Pacific and around the world. Analytics and eyeballs and all of the IcetimeHockeySW.com podcasts a live every week on the Podbean app and available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. Analytics and eyeballs from the Summer Skate Studios is a part of the IceTimeHockeySW.com network. Very well done, my friend. Nick, thanks again for uh, uh, answering the bat signal. I will start working on that spotlight to get it up in the clouds for you just to make it a bit easier. We appreciate you coming on. Paul, thanks for the final thoughts, and we'll say goodnight with little Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Hello, new day, and ask you to tune in tomorrow night for another edition of College Hockey West Live. Good night, Good night. everybody.